Well, good morning. My name's uh, Kay Bolton. I'm on the ministry team here at CBC, and it's my absolute privilege to kick off our new series, uh, Dangerous Prayers, that Chris was just telling us about. I wonder if you've ever heard those two words in the same sentence before, dangerous and prayer. I guess possibly uh, the only time is when we're in a dangerous situation and then we turn to prayer. Um, Over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to be exploring some dangerous prayers we find in the Bible. So this series comes with a bit of a health warning because dangerous implies reckless, doesn't it? It implies wild, risky. And we're in quite a risk-averse culture, I would say, here in the, uh, in the UK. I don't think it's something that we particularly warm to, especially at the moment or perhaps even in our prayer, in our prayer lives. It's been said that in the early days of the pandemic um, that prayer was one of the most Googled words on the internet. People began to search, didn't they, for answers to the difficult questions that we were facing in the crisis that we're still in. Uh, Pete Gregg, on the prayer course that many of our church family did just a a couple of months ago, um, he says at the very beginning, to be human is to pray. Well, we all pray, that's the truth of it, whether we believe in God or not. When we're in a tricky situation, even an atheist will pray. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we realize the importance of prayer, that actually it's for cultivating a deeper relationship with God. The disciples spent time with Jesus, didn't they? They saw the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father. I think they saw something pretty special. I think they saw something really appealing as they watched Jesus talking to his Father, because they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. So I believe through this series on dangerous prayers, we've got a bit of an opportunity to get out of the boat, if you like, to increase our faith, to be a bit like Peter and step out onto the water, out of the boat, to live like Jesus did, to do what Jesus did. And I think as we do that, we'll begin to discover a a lot more about what it means to pray like Jesus did. So as we begin our series this morning, we're going to look at a line that in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And we'll be, I think what we'll discover is that as we begin to pray like Jesus did, it is actually far from safe. It is quite a dangerous thing to do. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the Lord's Prayer. You'll find it in Matthew, the, the first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read um, from verses 9 to 13. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, sadly, we don't have a lot of time to unpack all of Jesus' teaching to his disciples here. The fact that we can call God our Father, the recognition that God is in heaven, the fact that he's a God who has a kingdom, and that therefore that makes him a king. If you haven't done the prayer course, then do listen out for the next time we run it. I encourage you uh, to tune in to that um, because you'll learn a lot about digging into some of those issues. But today we're going to unpack the phrase, your will be done. This is, Jesus says, is how we should pray to our Father. We should pray, your will be done. 
But what we discover then is that God has a will. God, who we have the privilege, as we were reminded during communion, of calling our Father, who is holy and who is king, has a will. That's not a will that's hunted for and read when someone dies. God's will is an intended way or plan of how things should be. He has an opinion, if you like. He has a desire for us and how we should live. Isn't that exciting that God wants us to know his will and to seek his opinion? However, the Bible does tell us that there are things that God has made clear to us about his will, but there are also things that he hasn't made clear. And it's, it would seem to me that the prayer, your will be done, um, would, would apply to both of those things. So we're called to pray for God's will to be done in the things that he has revealed to us, but also those things that God has chosen to remain hidden from us. But I just want to finish the sentence again that we, as we find it in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we know to be true that is in heaven, there's no opposition, there's no rebellion, there's no resistance to God's will. So Jesus is saying we are to seek and to pray for God's will to be done with no resistance, whatever the cost, if you like, to seek God's opinion and plan. And when we've sought it, to bring it about, to walk in it, to follow it. But I just want to stop for a minute and say that there seems to me an inseparable link between the will of God and the glory of God. And I think if we get that link, it will really help us as we grapple, grapple with this whole issue of prayer. Because right at the heart of God's glory is his will. Because that is the outworking, if you like, of who he is. So when we're living in God's will and praying for God's will to be done, we're seeking for God to be glorified. So when we live in the center of God's will, we bring him glory. And that's why it's a dangerous prayer because it will mean that God and his will comes first. We have to lay aside our wants, our desires. And let's be honest, that's not always easy, is it? So how do we pray and live out seeking God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Well, I've just got three pointers for us to think about and hopefully help you to start grappling with this question. First of all, know God's will, then trust God's will, and then obey God's will. So how can I know God's will? Well, I think that's probably one of the most asked questions by Christians, isn't it? And the answer in many ways is actually really simple. It's by knowing God. It's by knowing his word. So in any relationship, it's by spending time with a person that you find out about them, isn't it? You find out their loves and their hates and their opinions. And I guess the Morland students are going through that a bit at the moment as they get to know their, their new student friends. But it's as you share experience and life that you find about, out about somebody's character, you find out about their feelings, about the issues, um, what they think about different issues. And then you get to a point, I guess, where you hardly need to ask because you know them so well, you know what they will think. So the most important way we can um, find out about God is to deepen our relationship with God, to know what his thoughts are, how by knowing his word, by spending time in the Bible, and you know, there's really no shortcut to this. 
often I think there is a desire in all of us for a bit of a quick fix, isn't there? We think that maybe if we listen to a sermon each Sunday, or if we uh, have a sign from God or a word of knowledge, well, we're at a worship event, say, or something, then these things um, will help us. And yeah, they do. They, they do have a place. I, I think they do. But they'll never replace knowing God himself by reading and spending time in the Bible. That means, I think, regular, even daily time with God in his word, reading the Bible, getting to know God and who he is. God's revealed will, if you like, or some call it his moral will, are those things that he has made clear to us in his word. Paul prays for the Christians in Colossae, in Colossians, and um, he asks that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and able to walk in their manner worthy of the Lord. Well, I guess the Ten Commandments are an obvious example, aren't they, of God's revealed will. Therefore, we don't actually need to pray, God, show us your will in the area of stealing, say, or committing adultery. For example, we don't need to ask if it's God's will if we have an affair or to pursue a relationship that we know will put our marriage in danger. Rather, in that situation, we would pray, your will be done as we seek to live holy lives in the area of sexual purity. And you know, the Bible has so much to say, doesn't it, about God's revealed will for how we should live. So we pray God's will to be done in our attitude to creation care because we've been given a mandate to be good stewards of God's resources. We pray for God's will to be done in seeing justice for the poor and the marginalized. We pray for God's will to be done by showing compassion, gentleness, and patience when we meet those who are hurting and broken and lonely. And we do these things because they are clearly revealed in God's will. And we pray that we will do them here on earth in the same way that God's will is fulfilled in heaven. So I wonder, what are you wrestling with at the moment? Is it how to deal with somebody who's really got you angry inside? Well, God's will says that we mustn't let the sun go down on our anger. I wonder if it's anxiety you're wrestling today with. Well, in God's word, he tells us not to worry. I will be with you. I wonder if it, it's pride. God says, humble yourselves before me. God speaks, doesn't he, into so many areas of our lives and shows us what his will is for us. So our prayer today, your will be done, God, here on earth as in heaven. Help me to seek your will, Lord, without resistance, whatever the cost. So on to the second one, trusting God's will. How do we pray your will be done, as Jesus has asked us to do, if we don't know what God's will is? How often have we faced times when we have no idea what God wants us to do? Should I apply for this job? Should I marry this person? Is God calling me to serve him in another country? Or even think, things like, should I buy this new car? Or perhaps we've all faced those times when things just don't make sense, like we lose our job, or we don't get that promotion we'd been praying for, or a pandemic hits the world as we face right now. Well, in the Old Testament, David writes in the Psalms, all your days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came to be. 
And if you go over to the New Testament, you find the same thing again. It's one of the most tricky verses in the Bible, but it finishes like this. God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It would seem from the Bible, and I think also many of us from experience, that God has chosen to reveal some things to us, but not all of his will. But he does have a will for us. So we've discovered, haven't we, that God has invited us to know him, to know his character, to know his nature. But he hasn't revealed everything to us. He has revealed to us that his will is perfect. And he has revealed to us that one day it will be, real, it will be obeyed here on earth as it is in heaven. But for now, we're called to trust him with what we don't yet know. You may have spotted we have an Old Testament reading today. It's from 2 Samuel. It's a story um, that's written during David's reign as king. And he decided to bless a community nearby that had lost their king. The problem was that this gesture that was made out of kindness was completely misinterpreted. And as a result, as often happened, war broke out. Now, David's army was under the leadership of Joab, and they were surrounded by two armies, one on each side. And so with the knowledge and the resources that Joab had, he made a decision about how to attack, and he divided the troops into two groups. And then he says this to them, if the Armenians are too strong for me, then you come to my rescue. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I'll come to your rescue. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. And then he says this, the Lord will do what is right in his sight. Joab used the wisdom he had to do his job well, but he recognized too that the Lord had the final say. Did you notice that? The Lord will do what is right. And this seems to be a pattern throughout scripture, a pattern of what we would call trust, that God is trustworthy. And therefore, in a way, it's okay that we don't know everything. The challenge, perhaps, is not knowing what to do. The challenge is about trusting the God who does know the future. And maybe there's a challenge in there for us somewhere about needing to have a view of God a bit more like Joab's. To be able to say, I will live as he's called me to live, and I will trust him to do what is right. And again, we have to confess, don't we? It's not always easy, and I'm not saying it is. But what I'd like to do now is pull these threads of knowing God and trusting God together under what I think is quite a difficult last one. And it's about obeying God's will. We can't look at these words, your will be done, without going to Gethsemane, without going to Jesus in the garden, not long before he goes to the cross and to his death. Here, Jesus prays this very prayer that in this moment he's inviting his, his disciples to learn to pray. Let's read what he says. Then he said to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay with me. Keep watch with me. And then he goes on a little further, falls to the ground and prays, my father, 
if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. At this point, Jesus knew what the Father's will was for him. He knew he was facing a path of pain, of suffering, and yet Jesus still prayed this prayer, not my will, but your will. Jesus went to the cross because it was his Father's will. And in that, he demonstrated to us what it means to be obedient to the Father's will. We've just celebrated communion together. We've taken bread and wine and we've reminded ourselves that Jesus was obedient to death. And in that death, Jesus brought us life. That Jesus' obedience to death also brought forgiveness from that selfish willfulness that we so often have. And in Jesus' obedience to death, he brought us that relationship with our Heavenly Father. In Jesus, we see that God chooses sometimes to work through pain and suffering, to pray your will be done is to live a life of complete surrender to God, knowing that he will be glorified as he works out his perfect will in our lives. And here we come to why I think this is a dangerous prayer. Because there will be times when we face challenges in life that are almost impossible to bear. There will be times when things happen that we cannot change. There will be times when we have no control over, or perhaps we regret, regret, or perhaps we just hurt so badly, and we plead with God, like Jesus did, to do something. What do we do in those moments? What do we do in those times? Well, I believe, like Jesus, we need to throw off that risk-averse, safe praying that we've kind of got used to. And perhaps it's with a cry like Jesus, or maybe even a whisper in that moment. Maybe it's all we have left to groan to God and repeat that prayer, that most dangerous, but I would say, most life-giving prayer, not as I will, but as you will. Dangerous, yes, but as we get to know God through spending time in his word, as we trust God with what we do not yet understand, it's there that we will find acceptance of God's will. It's there we'll find we can be obedient to God's will. And it's there, I believe, that we surrender to God and find, as Jesus did, that it's the safest and the best place that we could possibly be. Again, as I've said, knowing God's will, trusting God's will, being obedient to God's will, it's not easy. Jesus never said it would be easy, but he calls us to follow him. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. So I 
pray for each of us today, whatever circumstances, and I know some of us are facing tough times at the moment, we know we can trust our loving Heavenly Father. In a minute, uh, Claire and Andrew are going to uh, close for us by singing the blessing. Beautiful, beautiful words that I know have blessed lots of us throughout this pandemic. I believe it's um, really good for us to, to close with today. And maybe an opportunity, if you don't want to sing, to listen as God blesses you. And as you think about the challenge that we have to follow Jesus and pray this dangerous prayer. I came across again uh, John Wesley's prayer that he wrote over 200 years ago now. It's a difficult and challenging prayer. But I would like to finish this morning by reading this prayer. It will be on the screen. If you would like to join in, then I invite you to do so. If you'd like to listen, then that's fine too. I'm going to pray this prayer as we close. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.